This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jack, I feel like as much as I love aesthetics, I wish there were a world where I could bridge peds and aesthetics. I kind of miss it. I don't want to go back to the hospital. I could never, never go back to working like night shift to work my way down to getting part time at a hospital again. I could, I couldn't do it. But I found myself missing peds a lot. What do you what do you think you're missing about it? Like what what is it exactly that you miss? I feel like I'm someone that really like I love doing the fun stuff with aesthetics. And and obviously there's so much nursing care and knowledge that goes into that and like anatomy and everything. But I don't know, like I think I'm like missing caring for the disease process. I get that. An assessment and like everything like that that goes into like figuring out the problem. Mm-hmm. Do you think being around a ch- new child in your life is <laughs> is reminding you of of what it's like and, and missing kind of being around kids? I mean, maybe. I think that's definitely a possibility. It has been a lot of fun. Well, it's and fun and scary. Like not only letting myself love another man and like feel safe in that, but then being like, oh my God, now this is like a child and what if things don't work out and which they will like I know this I feel this in my soul but like that was a that was another hurdle to get through and and like let myself love this child too and which like I do I love James so much I love being around him and he's just such a great kid but I don't know maybe just like but like I never did peds I was always NICU so yeah but you're around babies you know it's so funny because I tell my nursing students this all of the time if I think you know when you are even just in nursing school if you're a peds person if you're a peds person or if you're a NICU person and to just go Mm -hmm. with your gut because I'm telling you I am not a peds person like I am the opposite you aren't no, you're anti-peds. I'm anti-peds. It's not that I don't like kids. I love kids. Like I grew up with two siblings with like a huge age gap. I was like, there's a, mm-hmm. about a 10 year age gap between me and my younger siblings. I love kids. I hate peds. 
piece <laughs> scares the fucking shit out of me. Like there is nothing I find scarier than seeing a child. Like I, either if it's in the hospital or even when I was doing my FMP clinicals, like I would have a nervous breakdown when I would have to see a kid. Really? I, I hate it. I hate seeing kids. That's why I think it's so funny. Like Pete's people are Pete's people and adult people. Are oh adult people. yeah. No, I mean, like my best friend will message me all the time. Be like, is this normal? Is this okay? What's going on? Like, this is what they'll like send me videos of them breathing. It's yeah, like, like I can I hear it. I don't, I don't want <laughs> anything to do with the responsibility of making any decisions around someone's child. Like that is the most stressful thing in the world to me. But I just think it's so funny because then on the flip side, you have your Pete's people that could never take care of adults. They're like, oh my God, no, adult? no, like I can't do it. No. That's why when, you know, people, I got, I got a little bit of flack uh, during the pandemic. So like, you don't even work at the bedside anymore. I'm like, do you know what would happen if you stuck a peds nurse? And like, granted, there are some people that can like transfer and jump around, but like a true NICU pediatrics nurse and tried to throw them in with an adult when they have done nothing but pediatrics, pediatric vent settings, pediatric drip settings, all this stuff for 12 years and put them in an adult ICU setting, they're going to be more of a hindrance than a help. No, like there's literally nothing you would, you could do, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't do anything in, during COVID in that sense. I could have, I could have been a gopher, you know, I could have ran, gotten supplies, you know, stuff like that. Help bathe, churn. I mean, there were even like pediatric units that, that at least in Chicago, that temporarily closed. So it's like Pete's nurses were getting called off all of the time. Mm -hmm. Like not, it's just. Or, or with the offer of like working in the adult unit, but it's like, that's, that's terrible. That was giving me anxiety. Like, Well, that leads perfectly into today's guest, Dr. Krupa Playforth. She is also known as the pediatrician mom. She is a Harvard Vanderbilt graduate, a pediatrician. Um, we talk about just royal badass, such a badass, such a badass. And she obviously is a peds person. So in this episode, we go directly into RSV, all of the illnesses that we're seeing, the way that we were just talking about that COVID changed a lot for the world of pediatrics Mm -hmm. and how we're kind of bouncing back now. So we'll catch you on the other side of this episode. We hope you love this one with Dr. Krupa Playforth. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Hi, everyone. Hello, hello. So nice to meet you. I, mean, I guess I've met Danielle, but nice to meet you, Jack. I'm, uh... Yes, nice to see you. Yes, hello, hello. Jack's the better of the two of us. I'm just putting that out oh there. Oh my right gosh, now. Danielle. <laughs> you guys are a good team. I've listened to your podcast. It's a, it's a good um, back and forth. I think so too. I think we've got a great banter. Like I, yes, we do. I mean, I love listening to us. <laughs> Well, I would hope so. If we don't listen to our podcast, I don't know. think anyone will. Yeah, I don't think anyone else will then either. <laughs> I had like a ter- like a terrifying dream last night that I did not set my alarm to wake up. 
And guess what I didn't do last night? I woke up magically at 7.15 this morning. And I was no like, way. wait, you hadn't set I your alarm. Set, I hadn't set, I had set, I hadn't changed my alarm back from like, I think it was at like eight. <laughs> Cause I, and yeah, instead of, you know, like 6.45, something like that. So I could get ready and be a little more prepared. But yeah, I woke up at 7.15. So proud of myself. That's funny. Cause I was going to say you look great. I was going to say like, you've got a, like, got, like your hair. Like, yeah. your I know. Stuff. Yeah. I know. I like. You look great. I powered through it. I've got a, a nice hot beverage for my throat. <laughs> Are you sick? No. Well, here, that's the grand question. Um, We talked about this with Dr. Parikh, but we're like, is it the cold? Is it flu? Is it COVID? Is it, you know, what is it? But no, it's just, as far as I can tell, it's just allergies. So. Which is crazy, right? Like, why would you have allergies this time of year, too? But but people do because the weather is so crazy. Yeah. I mean, especially in Nashville, like, it's hot, it's cold, it's hot, it's cold. You know, just starting to kick on the heat very rarely. So, like, all those dust particles. I think I'm mildly allergic to my cat. I'm going to be totally honest. But, like, I've been suffering through <laughs> After it. After 12 so. years, you're like, I think I'm 16. allergic to... <laughs> I was going to say, how old is that cat? Like... She's old. Wow. Your cat. <laughs> yeah, she's a very senior lady. She's got kidney issues. We do IV fluids. We do. Yeah. Our um, our senior cat died a couple years ago because she had a, like a stomach tumor. Um, and then we have another cat who's twelve, so she's like kind of a senior cat too. But she seems healthy, although she vomits a lot. Oh yeah, I would take him in for that. <laughs> I actually talked to my husband yesterday, and I was like, you know. Like, I think, I think it's time just cause like when they're senior, like suddenly like vomiting can be like what diabetes and kidney issues and things like that. So, so I, um, yeah. Or yeah. pancreas. I learned that one too. She had a little bit oh. of an inflamed pancreas from diarrhea oh. <laughs> and puking. Yeah. So it's like diarrhea and puking, like just the last week. So yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. She's an old. I would take her in. <laughs> well, Dr. Playforth. Please call me Krupa. <laughs> we are so happy to have you on. We have the pediatrician mom on the WOMED and you are just such a wealth of freaking knowledge. And <laughs> you're, you're the coolest. We got to meet at the dial event and I immediately texted Jack and I was like, I've got someone for the pod. Like, she's really cool. <laughs> and like I said to your profile. Yeah. You're like Harvard educated, Vandy educated. When was the last time you were in Nashville? So I haven't been back since I graduated from medical school. So it was 2010. I wanted to come back for the reunion, but then it got canceled because of the pandemic. Mm. Um, and then they had like a sort of mini reunion thing this year, but it was like the same weekend that we were traveling for something else. So I couldn't go. Um, but I miss Nashville and I hear it's changed so much since I've been there. I mean, it's been a long time. You wouldn't recognize it. <laughs> really? <laughs> you really wouldn't. Yeah. They've renamed like all the neighborhoods. Oh, Wow. Yeah, so I wouldn't definitely wouldn't recognize it. Nashville is such a great city, though. Um, I also remember Fido's. Like their coffee was. They're still there. Oh, good. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was like a Vandy like place that we went. To. Yeah, Pancake Pantry line hasn't changed. So <laughs> it was like a little jewelry shop next to the Pancake Pantry, which is where we got my engagement ring. Actually, I think that's like gone. Independent jeweler. Oh. oh. To crush your soul this morning. I was so saying Jesus too. didn't yell. <laughs> I know I should have lied. I'm a terrible liar. <laughs> I 
I didn't know what you guys wanted to talk about today. I mean, I'm getting a ton of questions about like what to think about, like all of the respiratory illness. Although I know you guys talked to Dr. Parik a little bit about that. I can, but not in kids. Well, fair enough. I mean, a lot of us are most anxious about our kids. Yeah, I I am. Yeah. We were able to touch on more like adult flu stuff with Dr. Parikh, but I feel like every parent's worst nightmare is RSV. You know, my one of my coworkers uh, a couple of years ago, her baby was in the ICU with RSV. So she's like very, very anxious um, about this season. So, yeah, I know this is like the worst year that we've seen for flu in a long time. What is it looking like for RSV? Similar. I've been in practice for more than 10 years at this point, like I guess like 13 years, and I've never seen a season like this. And from what I hear from veteran physicians who've been in the in the field for, you know, 20 or 30 years, they've never seen a year like this as well. So it, it's not just that if the numbers are high, but they're high earlier in the season. So it's in there, it's co- coinciding with the flu, which means that hospital systems are just overwhelmed. So, and Danny, obviously Danielle was a NICU nurse for 12 years. I'm a nurse as well, but I primarily have only worked with adults. So I'm pretty new to RSV, but my little sister is also a NICU nurse. And she was just telling me about a baby that kind of went through RSV very recently in the NICU. So I guess like for our listeners, we have a lot of nurses, doctors, people in the medical world. But for people that aren't super familiar with RSV, can you just give us like the quick rundown? Um, What is it? What are some of the symptoms? And why is this such a problem? Absolutely. So RSV or respiratory syncytial virus is a virus that we see every year from October through March. What's interesting over the past two years is that the seasons weren't as severe as we have seen them in the past. Um, and, but then this year, we're kind of making up for that. We started earlier. We had like a little surge in the summer. And then again, now um, respiratory syncytial virus is a virus that anybody can catch, which is a common misconception. You know, people think, oh, it's just a problem for little babies. But any of us can catch it, including adults. And uh, when you're older, what it tends to look like is just maybe a cold sniffle, sometimes the like fairly bad cold or like a sore throat. But when you're really young, your airways are smaller, it can lead to something called bronchiolitis, which is inflammation of the small airways in the lungs. Um, and then that can lead to wheezing and difficulty breathing. And, you know, if you're breathing really fast, then sometimes you can't feed. And when you're a little baby, that then easily leads to dehydration. So those are the common reasons that people end up in the hospital. It's also what what I think a lot of people don't aren't as familiar with is that it tends to get worse before it gets better. So you you start with like a cold or congestion, usually pretty severe congestion. And then days three through five is kind of the, the low point. That's when we start to see the wheezing, the increased work of breathing, the dehydration, and then it slowly gets better. But you can have this cough that lingers for a week or two after the infection too. Right. That's what my little sister mm. said about um, some of her RSV babies that if they, if you can make it past, like if you... Once you get past day five, six, and seven, that's usually like that'll be the worst. And then it'll kind of just like ride from there. Yeah, exactly. But it can linger for a while. And the trouble is a lot of adults or older kids who have it don't know that they have it, right? They think, oh, I just have like a mild cold. And then, but then they can transmit it to 
younger mm-hmm. infants or, you know, the other thing that I mean, I'm a pediatrician, so I'm mostly familiar with pediatric practice, but I was talking to my dad, who is a family doctor. Um, and he said, well, it's also awful in the elderly people with lung disease, like COPD and things like that. That population does really badly with RSV as well. So this time of year, when people are around family, you're going to be around grandparents and things like that. You've got to kind of be thinking about the youngest and the oldest. Truly. One of my best friends, uh, both her babies just went through like RSV and it was, it was fairly, I mean, like they had to go into the ER at one point for some like albuterol breathing treatments and stuff, but they never admitted them. But they were like, we waited here forever. Like the hospitals are so full. Like Bandy Children's was so full. Here too. Um, you know, I hear that there are like 10 hour waits in the waiting room of the emergency room. And I think. The other thing to know about RSV is that we don't really have any great treatments for it. It's just sort of tincture of time. You've got to kind of write it out and support them through it, which is true of a Mm -hmm. lot of viruses. Um, We used to do albuterol treatments more, but what we found is the data shows that they don't make as much of a difference in the outcome. And Mm -hmm. same with we used to do these hypertonic, so high concentration saline breathing treatments as well. Same thing. What we found is they don't necessarily make a huge difference in the outcome. Sometimes I've seen pediatricians still try the albuterol just because for a child, for example, with an underlying sort of asthma and things like that, sometimes it does help a little bit on the margins. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it's just riding it out and and supporting their their little bodies through it. But it's heartbreaking. So what are some of the things that you say to parents that find out right like parents come in either to they call or they come into the clinic or let's say they come into the ER they find out baby has RSV like you said there's not a lot of treatment options so what are some of those things that you tell parents because I'm sure they are freaking out they're at home googling everything they're looking for answers a lot of them you know probably are new parents with young ones so they've ne- maybe never been through this before what are some of those things that you you tell parents? So I tell them, the first thing I tell them is, look, there's no reason to panic. RSV, you know, it's in the media right now because we are all more aware of viral respiratory illnesses, but it's not mm-hmm. a new virus, right? I, I remember, I was just thinking about this this morning. My son um, is about to turn five and he was a December baby. And five years ago, when he was a December baby, I actually pulled my daughter out of daycare for a month because I was scared of RSV. This is like something that we as physicians are familiar mm-hmm. with, but right. I tell people not to panic. The other thing to know is almost every child gets this by the age of two and the majority of them do fine. Like mm-hmm. having a little perspective, like, you know, we're seeing these headlines and yes, some kids get really sick and the kids that get really sick are tend to be the ones, for example, who have a NICU background or mm-hmm. have underlying sort of lung issues, heart issues, um, those kinds of problems. And then the kids that are under six months of age. But the vast majority of kids, you know, weather this, it's a miserable week, but then they weather it and they do okay. And Mm -hmm. I think maintaining that perspective, especially in the face of all the headlines can be really helpful. I'm so glad that you said that because you're right. (laughs) I, I, right now, and I'm like, I don't know if it's because we're still like, COVID pandemic viral obsessed in this country with the headlines, Mm -hmm. but you're right. And it is scary. Even in healthcare, it feels like 
so many headlines around the flu this year and RSV and, you know, just when it's, it's finally not COVID, it's something else. So I'm really glad that you said that. This is something that has been going on forever. RSV has been around for a very long time. I'm sure even when you were in medical school or doing your residency oh, yeah. in peds, it's like, I think mm-hmm. everyone knows if you decide to go into peds, like you're entering respiratory world. It's like a someone just termed it a a winter sport. Pediatrics is a winter <laughs> sport. It is. Great way to think about it. <laughs> I love that it is a winter sport. That might be the title of this episode. Pediatrics is a winter I've sport. I've never heard that, <laughs> and I love that. I loved it too. It's so true, though. Things get so chaotic in peds and NICU in the winter months, and. I mean, that was one of the biggest things we would always have to teach and like counsel parents on when we were discharging NICU babies was like, you've got to keep them safe. Like you cannot have a ton of visitors over right now. Like I know everyone's going to be really anxious to see a baby, but everyone's got to wear a mask. Everyone, This is back in 2007. I mean, we were like, yeah, if you're sick, you can't come over. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Like you cannot touch this child until you have washed your hands. If you have any sniffles, you cannot. You will send this child right back into the hospital with us. Exactly. And, and you know, I think also it's important for parents to realize that it's not just that kids that are under two months can get so sick with, with all these. I mean, it's not just RSV or COVID, right? It's any mm-hmm. of these illnesses any viral illness, but also what do you have to do if your kid is sick? Like the other thing to know is if your child has a fever and they're under certainly a month of age, but even up to two months of age, the workup is there's a protocol and it involves going to the hospital and getting a urine, like a urine cap and a spinal tap sometimes. And sometimes mm-hmm. being admitted to the hospital. Blood and cultures. Blood traumatic. Cultures. Mm-hmm. Sometimes of antibiotics, IV antibiotics. It's like very traumatic. Yeah. And you're not, you're not working like, well, I mean, you might, you might, I mean, you might have to, you know, but like, or if they're sick at home, like you have to have someone like someone's got to take care of them. And if you're recovering from like a delivery, it's just, I think when people are talking to family and family's like, oh, I really, really want to come see your baby, mm-hmm. leaning into the fact that they, that feeling comes from love, right? Like they want right. they, they about you. They care about the baby. They're excited for you. And you've got to kind of lean into that when you talk to them and say, look, mm-hmm. we are all on the same team. We want to protect this baby. And that's yes. the way to have that conversation rather than being mm-hmm. sort of antagonistic, which doesn't help anybody. Right. Right. Very important advice. <laughs> <laughs> this time of year, I'm getting this question a lot. Like I'm about to have a baby. What do I tell family? What do I do about my toddler who still goes to daycare? So I think this kind of leads perfectly into your website, pediatricianmom.com. Is this kind of what inspired you creating this portal? Can you tell our listeners about your website and how this kind of came to fruition? Yeah. So um, it was at the start of the pandemic. I was getting a lot of questions about COVID at the time. And there was so much misinformation. And we really just didn't know a whole lot. And everybody was panicking about their kids, which I totally get. But people didn't want to come into the doctor's office and they were turning to social media. And I started to really think about the fact that parents of my generation, of our generation, like that's where we get a lot of our information and mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, we all tend to vilify Google, right? Like Google has so much potential. The internet has so much potential, but it can also be so dangerous because there is right, so right. much misinformation out there. And you don't always know, like, 
What is a website you can trust? And so, and this was kind of something I'd always thought about doing, but I was too intimidated to do. And at the start of the pandemic, we were suddenly very free. I didn't, wasn't mm-hmm. seeing as many patients. And my sister, who is a pediatrician as well, was like, there's never going to be a right time. Just do it. Just help me. Um, you know, like I was like, I don't know how to use Instagram. And she was like, you're the only way to figure it out is to do it. So I started and I just jumped into it. And the response has been so great. So the website is I, I'm trying to keep a lot of it free. I mean, everything is free right now, Um, but it's all like, you know, cheat sheets for like if your child has COVID, like this is what you watch out for. If you need if your child is getting dehydrated, this is literally step by step how you keep them hydrated because like your pediatrician's going to say keep your child hydrated but how do you know if they're dehydrated how do you actually do that if they're refusing to drink anything like what do you use so i i try to break it down in a very practical way and you do such a good job of that i was thank you um, I, I mean you've you've literally made your own little personal pediatrics google but it's all <laughs> on your website and they're like really beautiful downloadable in step by step instructions and I mean, I would encourage any nursing student even out there to go and yeah. and and dig through this this information because uh, it's only going to help you, especially if you're considering pediatrics. I don't think people realize how overwhelmed the hospital systems are right now, the doctors, the nurses. So if like this is management that you're providing patients that they can use to like manage at home, you know, at least up until like a certain point, like you're decreasing that burden on the health, on the healthcare systems and in the ERs. I hope so. And I hope it's decreasing parental anxiety, which was always my goal, you know, like Mm. even so I have three kids, um, seven, four, almost five and 16 months. So I'm like right in the trenches. And I think what was really hard for me after, you know, I was a pediatrician for several years before I had kids. And I remember my level of empathy for the anxiety that you have as a mother changed so much after I had kids. It's like this like primal brain takes over. Like mm. even when I have this knowledge base, when my kids are sick, I still like do the same spiral that I think most other parents do. And I call my sister. Um, but, <laughs> you know, you need like an objective source of information that can mm-hmm. like guide you. Um, obviously, none of it's really medical advice and like I always kind of put in there, like you do want to talk to your um, physician because there are some individual things and like nobody can really give you guidance like through a website, but but hopefully it like leans into the evidence a little bit as well. Like I try really hard to be evidence-based. So like we're all told, oh, you know, or all parents panic about fevers, right? Like your kid has this high right. fever and you're like, oh my gosh, like what's the temperature where I need to go to the emergency room? And mm-hmm. it's shocking, I think, to parents to realize like there's no, that that is not a thing. Like, right. there's that's a myth, except for in very specific circumstances, like if your kid's under three months, like that's mm-hmm. a myth and you don't need to panic about a fever. I love how you, well, first, I love that you're Harvard educated and Instagram was very scary for you. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I don't know how to figure this out. <laughs> <So scary. laughs> but two, I, I love what you said about how the Google and the internet can be used, um, can be used to our advantage. And I think a lot of people don't even understand yeah. that even as healthcare providers, if you are a provider, we rely on on resources on the internet, whether it's UpToDate or Hippocrates or whatever app that you're using to get your updated information, evidence-based information, that's mm-hmm. online. Like I, sometimes being a provider, being a, a doctor, you have to become 
an expert at understanding how to read through a lot of information that often you find online. So I love that you said that. And I love that you are using it to your advantage to help parents because exactly like you said, with parental anxiety, I'm just a puppy mom. And so I can only imagine having an actual child. But there's so much anxiety and there's so much, I think, just like a feeling of helplessness that when your loved one is sick, you just want to do something. Mm -hmm. And I think your portal, your website, all of these documents kind of give parents like a tangible, hands-on way to really feel like they're helping their kids. I hope so. I think it's also a lot of people feel very dismissed. Right now, I think that's not intentional on the part of healthcare providers. Like everybody's just slammed and burned out. But um, but that feeling of being dismissed and like just feeling like you're a little bit more empowered, like you know what questions to ask and you know like what red flags yeah. to look for. Like I think as parents, we need to feel like our, we can advocate for our kids and, and we need to feel empowered to do that. And I try to kind of share some information on that too. Jack knows I was um, a little panicked yesterday. My dad had to go into the ER and it's like, when you know, like daddy Mopey is a strong, tough guy. This is a, you know, quintessential born and raised on a farm does can't let anything get him down for too long because he has work to do. You know, he's not the typical, you know, when they talk about when men get sick, they're just like the biggest babies. That is not my dad. And he's had this like sore throat. And he last night or two nights ago, it got so bad that like he could not swallow. He he was just constantly oh. coughing, choke, like could not swallow. And he sat in one ER for three hours. They never did anything. They had to go to another one. And they finally swabbed him. But like, it just goes to show like how, I don't know if it's like understaffed or overburdened, like the health systems are, but like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm like talking to my mom. I'm like, did they swab him for the flu? Like, I want an ENT consult. I want like all my stuff. And they're like, yeah, they, uh. They gave him some amoxicillin and a shot of steroids and sent him home. And I was like, like, my dad is complaining of like, you know, if you press on his throat, it, like pain is off the charts. It's like radiating out his like left eyeball and ear. Like there is something oh. else wrong that you're not listening to. So he is following up with his primary today. <laughs> good, good. You know, but I, I think that you make a really good point. Like it's not just when your kids are sick, like any family member. Yeah. Is- it's like it like you feel so helpless i know they're so far away they're up in wisconsin oh i didn't know that they were from wisconsin yeah (laughs) but it just goes to show like how dangerous like these viruses and stuff can be especially Mm -hmm. this season like peds the i hate to say geriatric population but you know my parents are like virgin on 70s and uh, we just got to take care of each other we do. And we've got to be kind to each other. You know, I get like when you're anxious and you're feeling impatient and frustrated, but I also know so many physicians, so many pediatricians that have like left practice, which is part of what's adding to the burden right now. But, um, but I think the system just, 
these 15 minute appointments that we do um, where you try to cover everything. Like I was in a practice before where I was seeing like 25 to 30 patients a day and each, I, I only had 15 minutes, like for teenagers with mental health issues, for newborns, like 15 minute appointments. And like, uh, that wasn't up to me and I hated it, but like, that's the way the system works. And it's just, it's not sustainable. It's not good for parents. It's not good for patients, it's not good for healthcare providers. How is your practice mm. right now? What does your schedule look like? Are you seeing patients Monday through Friday? So no, I'm I'm working part-time. I do telemedicine only because, and this is actually like still very much on the download, but I guess it won't be once we once you air the podcast. <laughs> I am working on putting together my own practice um, that hopefully is a different model. But I'm very, I'm very, you know, you said, oh, you're Harvard scared, you're Harvard educated and you're scared about Instagram. I am very scared Wait, about is, doing this. Is this, this is like the, the first time you're, you're publicly? Oh, yeah. First time. Oh, my God. Krupa, I'm so <laughs> excited for you. I'm terrified. But I've got to take the leap because, like, that system doesn't work. No. Oh, my something. God. If there was a doctor like you in Ohio, and I'm sure there is, but like... <laughs> I would be like, forget aesthetics. Let me come work with your clinic. <laughs> you know, and like um, the person I'm working with to help set up the practice, like was asking about staffing and stuff. And like, I'm so like, I have no idea what this will look like or what the demand will be, but mm -hmm. there has to be. a There has to be. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm so encouraged just for the healthcare system, knowing that you are working to like open your own practice and offer, you know, longer appointments, like actual, like patient centered care instead of insurance centered care. And someone who like knows your family and knows, yes. like gets to know that's, that's the value of pediatrics. That was the thing I love most, you know, like you get to know families, you get to know next siblings. Some of the mm -hmm. people I work with, um, like we're seeing like next generations oh and that's gosh. just so special. And like this system makes you lose it. Yeah. Well, I'm honored that you shared this information with us. I'm honored <laughs> that you told us and I, I yeah. cannot wait to follow along and watch your progress on this. Like, I'm sure it's going to be a very long process for you, but incredible. It's so inspiring. Thank you. So as we are kind of wrapping up this episode, I would love to kind of end on just a few tips that you tell all parents about keeping your kids safe this winter season because we're heading into the holidays so what are some of those gold tips that you like to give families so it's gonna be not that exciting um it's the same stuff that we talk about all the time wash the hands people mm -hmm. do not appreciate you know, it just seems so like boring, right? To wash hands. But if you wash your hands with soap and water multiple times a day for 20 seconds at a time, like that is everything, especially for something like RSV or flu. You know, with COVID, we were so just we were so focused on respiratory transmission, but mm -hmm. but RSV, flu, these things live on surfaces. So wipe counters, wipe doorknobs, wash hands. This, there's a huge industry right now um, with immune boosting supplements and stuff like that, right? And we mm -hmm. all like are tempted by it because we want our kids to be healthy. And I, I get that. There's no data. I promise you, if there was data for this stuff, pediatricians would be shouting it off the rooftops. And we are yeah. not, and I'm not giving any of that stuff to my kids because the data isn't there and none of that stuff's regulated. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think 
you know, trying to get enough sleep, trying to get outside, trying to get active, eating a healthy, balanced diet. Like these are like boring things, but those are the things that actually work. And, and honestly, what I tell people is your immune system, your kid's immune system does not need to be boosted. A boosted immune system is not a good thing, right? Like that's what an autoimmune disease is. Uh, uh, you, it, our immune systems are functional. They're optimized. We just have to sort of have some faith. And then the other thing I always tell parents is just to trust your gut. You know, like I think right now when when you're like, I don't want to be another one of those parents that calls all the time or I don't want to add to the burden. Like sometimes I think there's a temptation to dismiss what's going on with your child. But if you trust your gut, it's okay to be that parent sometimes. And and it's a best case scenario if you go into the doctor and they're like, actually, your kid's fine. You're fine. Like people think, oh, well, then I wasted the doctor's time. You didn't. And you gave yourself peace of mind and reassurance. Yeah. Like that's a good thing. If you are, if you are sent home because your kid's okay, that's not bad. That's true. That's great. Yeah. That's great advice. And I love <laughs> what you said about a boosted immune system. <laughs> Oh, there are so many ads. I just get them like on social media all the time, like immune boosters, immune boosters. And there's lots of, unfortunately, I think also just be careful where you're getting your information from. If somebody is trying to tell you that your child needs a supplement and then also sells that supplement, be a little suspicious. Alarm bells should be going off if you see that. Very fair. (laughs) I actually have an immune... uh, an immunity guide that I just put together on my website. That's like, just goes through the evidence. It's also free, but um, uh, it just goes through like the evidence behind like vitamin C and, you know, vitamin A and elderberry and all those things and, and kind of mm-hmm. breaks it down a little bit. No, this has been so delightful. And I knew you would be just an incredible guest and like wealth of knowledge. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Oh my God, I'm such a fan of Krupa. I cannot wait to watch everything that she's doing. I'm so excited for her future adventures in opening up her own clinic. Dee, I also loved in the episode how you brought up that her resources on the pediatricianmom.com aren't just for parents. I wish I had access to this stuff when I was in nursing school or even FNP school. It breaks a lot of the management down into really digestible, easy to understand ways. So regardless if you're a parent or not, if you're in healthcare, I think you can learn so much from her website and utilize all of her free resources. Even pediatric dosing. She's got like a whole thing on that too. Oh God. See, okay. Enough with that. Even pediatric dosing makes my heart rate (laughs) skyrocket. Like I said, in the beginning, I am not a peds person. Pediatric dosing, very scary. Jack's to getting tachycardic. So. <laughs> but <Ew. laughs> that was such a bad nursing joke. Jack, you give me cardiomegaly. <laughs> okay, we're not. You're cut off. You're cut off on your dad jokes. You're cut off. You can find um, Dr. Playforth on Instagram at the pediatrician mom. And you can also find all of her resources, like Jack said, thepediatricianmom.com. We will also link those for you in the show notes. Jack, we've been getting a lot of very sweet reviews. And so I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who is taking the time to uh, leave us a review and rate on um, Apple and Spotify. Like 
we see them and it just really helps uh, affirm to Jack and I that we are on the right path and bring you the content that you're aching for. So just wanted to let you guys all know we love you. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next week. Woman out. Woman out.